right, find your place, find your place, find your Bible, and turn to Romans chapter number 15, Romans chapter number 15. We are, we are fighting the battle of the crud, say amen. I'm not trying to be stuck up or snobby, I just don't want to share everything, amen. And I'm sure you don't want me to share, we, we've been at the doctor and everywhere, but thank God we're in a, uh, we're in a good place tonight, Amen. All right, Romans chapter number 15. Tonight we're going to be talking about uh, uh, basically the subject of getting along. Say amen. Getting along 101. How many of y'all believe we ought to get along? I mean, if there's anybody on the planet that should get along, it should be God's people. Amen. Uh, we We should be able to have this figured out. We should be able to love one another. You know, the Bible says, let us love one another, for God is love. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. I mean, if we're going to have an attribute of God, we're to love one another. And if you love one another, you would think you should be able to get along. Amen? Uh, so this is, this is an area uh, where, where I think a lot of churches have issues. I think a lot of places have issues. Paul is specifically dealing with this. In the last two weeks, uh, we're going to kind of piggyback from where we were last week because this the first seven verses of chapter 15 really go with chapter 14 and uh so they kind of go together but we run out of time because you just you just don't have enough time to do it all uh so we're gonna it's gonna be kind of a continuation of where we were at last week last week we talked about what do you do uh, when we don't agree what do you do when uh this man has this set of beliefs and uh and this man over here doesn't necessarily believe like this man how do you get along uh, how do you how do you go forward? How do you keep from having a knockdown drag out? You know how do you how do you do that? How do you how do you go forward when you don't agree on every little detail? And we talked about that, and I'm not going to rehash that. Well, tonight is kind of a continuation of that thought. So if that makes sense, say Amen. All right, uh, Romans chapter number 15 in verse number one. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, "We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak." And not to please ourselves. Now we know from last week, it's not talking about physically strong. It's not talking about a weightlifter. He's talking about uh, he's talking about spiritually. A spiritually mature Christian, a spiritually mature person, is the strong one. The weak one is the one that doesn't have it all together spiritually yet. They're babes in Christ. Uh, maybe maybe not even necessarily being a babe in Christ as far as the length of time that you've been saved but just in a maturity standpoint. How many of y'all know that you can be 30 years old and act like you're 12? Amen. Same principle goes with, you know, some people just don't never grow up. They don't never start acting like they're supposed to act and, and realize that, you know, you're an adult now. you got to quit acting like a teenager. Uh, and, and to me, there's nothing worse than looking at an adult that's trying to dress like a teenager. Say amen. But then you have the same principle in the house of God when you have somebody that's been saved an extended period of time, but yet they're still acting like a babe in Christ. Now, uh, the weak are those who are immature in Christ. The strong are those who are mature in Christ and act in that way. So we can distinguish the difference. Does that make sense? Amen. Before we read any more, does anybody else need a lesson? I, they are uh, diligently waving back there. Anybody need a lesson? I want you to have a lesson so you can follow along with us. Anybody need a lesson? Raise your hand. All right. Way then in the back there, Brother John. All right. Anybody on this side? Way right here, right here, Brother Chris. Right here. All right. Buchanan, he, it ain't got pictures. He don't need it. Go ahead. There you go. All right. There we go. 
Aren't y'all glad Buchanan's got such a great sense of humor? Amen. And Miss Katie has even a bigger one to put up with him. Amen. All right. All right. Let's start over. Let's start over. Let's start over. Verse 1. Are we there now? All right. Now, do we both know what the strong and the weak are now? Okay. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Now, the word edification means built up, make better. Uh, uh, to strengthen, to, to, to help somebody become better than where they are, okay? It says, uh, for even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may... Now read this with me because this, really, uh, this is really the deal. This is what it's all about. Listen, we don't need to act mature so we can all get along and have peace in the church. Although we need that, and that's important, and it's necessary. But this one verse sums it all up. Matter of fact, this one verse really sums up the, the total existence of man on this planet. You know, we read books, the purpose of life, why are we here, you know, all that. It's right here. This is the reason that mankind was born, mankind was created, and mankind was placed on this earth for this right here. That ye may with one mind and one mouth, what? Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for... Thank you for doctors, and thank you for medicine, and thank you for friends, and thank you for prayer. Lord, thank you for a church that we could come, and a building that we could come and get out of the rain. Uh, Lord, we're out of the weather. We're out of the, the cold. It's a heated building. We're comfortable. We're not, in a, we're not in a grass hut somewhere. We don't have dirt floors. We're in a climate-controlled atmosphere. God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Lord, thank you that... that, that even though our, our government's messed up, we still have freedom. Lord, we have an opportunity to come and worship and study and learn and enjoy your house, enjoy your presence, and enjoy your word. And Lord, I need to learn some stuff tonight. I need to help teach some stuff tonight. God, we're here for the sole purpose of growing, developing, and becoming better disciples of Jesus Christ. Father, please help us to do that. Please open our minds, open our, our, our thinking, clear our thoughts of uh, distractions and problems and frustrations of today and frustrations of this week. Lord, clear our minds of, of worrisome issues, bills, and, and, and sicknesses and all these kind of things that we could focus on you and concentrate on your word. God, you're wonderful. and We appreciate all that you've done for us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Uh, thank you for, Lord, salvation. Thank you for the hope of heaven. Thank you for forgiveness and being long-suffering toward us. God, we love you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> Let's get along. Let's get along. There, there's, there's several reasons we need to get along, and we're going to talk about them. Uh, but before we, before we really go into the chapter, I put a little bit of extra stuff in the intro so that we can understand some things about ourselves. Because really, 
until you know where you are, you cannot get to where you need to be. Did you hear what I said? Let me say it again. Until you know where you are, you cannot get to where you need to be. Or you cannot get to where you want to be. I, I, many times I'll have somebody in my office and, uh, and uh, I'll say, let's imagine that there's a map on the wall. Let's imagine there's a map on the wall. I said, uh, uh, all right, go to that place. And they'll say, what place? I say, that place, go to that place. Well, what place? I said, you know, that place, go to that place. And then they'll start laughing because they'll know it's, oh, what are you trying to say, preacher? I said, if you don't know where you're trying to go, I can't help you get there. If you don't know what you want out of your relationship, if you don't know what you want out of your life, if you don't know what you want out of this situation, I can't help draw you a map to help you to get to where you're wanting to be. And I said the very first thing, how many of y'all ladies ever been to, to a mall? How many of y'all men have ever let them go alone? Amen. How many of y'all men have sat on the, on the, the bench seats in, in, in the, the aisle while they did their thing? How many of y'all men know there ain't enough of them seats around? When you go into a mall, especially the main entrance, whether it's on the top floor or the bottom floor, if they got that, when you go into a mall and you go in the main entrance and, and you come to this big glass thing that's right there in front of you, and, and, and what is that? Did, did you, as soon as you walk in that main entrance, what's right there in front of you? A big map. A big map of the whole mall, right? Now, on that map, there's a little red dot. There's a little red dot. Can somebody tell me what that little red dot is? Say it again. Say it again. Why is that there? Because you cannot find where you want to go till you know now tonight, let's figure out where we are. Because every Christian, every Christian wants to believe that they're in the strong department, right? Every Christian wants to believe that they're a mature one. I do. I mean, I want to I believe that I'm one of the mature Christians, and, and every one of us does. And, it, and if, you know, even when we were growing up, I think one of the biggest cut downs or things that would irritate is somebody called you immature. Nobody liked that. Nobody liked hearing that. Uh, but sometimes it, it was true and it was necessary. But the thing is, do you realize most problems in churches today happen because people are immature? People are immature. It's not because God is not good. It's not because the Word of God does not work. It's not because that, that, that church doesn't uh, do what it needs to do. It's just because people in church, and, and sometimes, and Paul warned Timothy of this, Paul warned Timothy of this in the pastoral epistles. He said, look, be careful of putting an immature person in a leadership position. The most dangerous thing a church could ever do is put an immature person in a leadership position. Uh, so let's see where we are. Let's see where we are. Uh, Paul, uh, one of the, one, I, I really never understood why churches would, would name themselves Corinth Baptist Church unless, unless, uh, it was the Corinth community, you know, but I, 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 I've never really understood. It was the most carnal, problematic church in all of the Bible. So I don't really get that, but either way, 
Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthians, and man, they had issues. I'm telling you, they had issues galore. And, and, and he was sharing some things with them, and this is what he said. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, he said, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? In other words, you're walking, you're acting like you're not even saved. I mean, these are saved people. These are people in the house of God. These are Christians, but they're not acting like Christians. They're not acting mature. They're not acting spiritual. He said, you're acting more in the flesh than you are. In other words, in an unsaved way than you are a saved way. And you should have been mature. You should have been developed by now. For while one saith, I'm of a Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? Isn't it funny how immature people take sides? And it's human sides. We shouldn't be taking human sides. We're just taking the Lord's side. We're, we're, anyhow, we'll, we'll go on. We'll come back to that. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that waters, but God giveth increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we, here we go, here we go. Why should we get along? For we are laborers together. We're working together. We're not in competition. And by the way, we're not in competition with any other church in Coleman County. We're the body of Christ. We're all on the same team. We're trying to get the same thing accomplished. Now he that planteth and he that laboreth or, or watereth are one. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Now let's look. You remember, here's a red dot. You are here. Let's look if, if, see if we are affected by some of these things. Let's see how we, we stack up with some of the evidences of immaturity, some of the things that an immature person would have issues with. Sometimes an immature Christian is marked by strife. He said, wherein, verse 3, wherein among you there's envy and strife. What is strife? Constantly having an issue. Constantly having an issue. Always got a, got a problem with somebody. If you ever know, there was a guy, there was a guy, a homeless fella that was sleeping on a bench and two mischievous little fellas, uh, one of them named little Johnny, and, uh, and he went up to him and they put Limburger cheese on, on this guy's lip and his mustache and everything. And, and y'all know Limburger cheese stinks. It's bad. And, and this guy, he wakes up and says, whoo, man, this park stinks. He got up and went down a couple blocks, went back an alley and said, my goodness, this alley stinks. And he got, went down, went down to the harbor and get some fresh air off of the ocean. And he went down to the, the harbor docks and said, my goodness, even the docks ain't, man, the whole world stinks. Now, what's the point? It wasn't everybody else. It was him. Now, sometimes when you have a person and an individual that's always having an issue, and the common denominator is that person, that person may need to check up and say, you know what, it might not be everybody else that's got problems. I may have the problem. I may have the problem. Immaturity is marked by strife. Always constantly having an issue. Are you presently, I put this down here, are you presently mad or fighting with another Christian about something? Deal with it. Deal with it. 
Evidence of immaturity, marked by strife. Then, this is, this is a biggie right here, marked by sensitivity. Marked by sensitivity, real sensitive about stuff. Easy to get your feelings hurt. It, it amazes me the people that get all bent out of shape over a stupid ball game. I'm serious. Now see, are y'all with me? I mean, get fighting mad if you say, who cares? Why, why are we acting so sensitive about stuff? The people that are acting that way, they're immature. They're immature. So how do you know? The Bible says, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing, say it with me, and nothing shall offend them. How easy is it for you to get offended? Are you, are you sensitive? Are you overly sensitive? You know, does, does everybody hurt your feelings? Does they, anything and everything, does it bother you? Do you get angry quick? That's a sign of immaturity. That's a sign of immaturity. Uh, number three, marked by shallowness. Immaturity, immature people have a hard time uh, receiving truth from Scripture. And it's not, all, it's not because truth is difficult to understand. It might be because we really don't want to receive it. How many, of you, how many of you have learned the truth and the word of God and, and, and when God whispered it in your ear and sat in your lap and told you, you said, uh-uh. Me and, me and Jordan's working together on a discipleship little deal we were working on together and, 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 uh, and, and she was listening to a CD I gave her and taking notes and all this. And I said, well, what did God tell you? And she went, I've got an issue with such and such and such and such. And I said, I mean, that's a classic response because nobody likes to be wrong, do we? And when we face truth and we face reality, we don't really want to receive it all the time. It's not necessarily that it's hard for us to understand. We just don't want to admit that we have that problem. Are y'all with me? Boy, I, you know what? It's awful quiet in here. Is anybody seeing a red dot looking this big? You are here. Marked by shallowness, number four. What was number one? Marked by strife. Number two, marked by sensitivity. Don't be so bent out of shape about everything, man. Toughen up. Number three, marked by shallowness. Number four, marked by selfishness. I, I'd have to admit, when me and Tammy first got married, I was very selfish. I mean, it, it, a lot of stuff had to be my way. And that's simply, that's immaturity. That's immaturity. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes hard, hardships, difficulties to grow up. But listen, immaturity is marked by selfishness. Must have our way. You always got to have your way. It's my way or the highway. Well, that's immature. Number five, marked by self-centeredness. Marked by self-centeredness. Wants to be the center of attention. The Bible says in, 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 in the third letter to John, verse 9, it says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. In other words, he wanted to be the big dog. He wanted to be the big dog. He wanted to be the big big kahuna. And, uh, and, and that doesn't work in the church. The only big kahuna is Jesus Christ. The only superstar that there should ever be is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
if the church culture is designed in such a way that the preacher becomes the superstar or the musicians become the superstar or something else, then it's wrong and it's not right. Jesus should be the only superstar in the church. And Diotrephes, he wanted to be, here's, here's what I always tell him in our, in our membership class, and it really is true. This is what makes Temple the way Temple is and, and, and the way Temple works the way it does, is most people at Temple, everybody here wants a small part of something big. Not people wanting a big part of something little. There have been people that have left our church because they couldn't be the big dog. And I know that. They've left here and gone to a little bitty church where they could be in charge because they knew that it would never happen here because they wanted to have a big part of something little. They would rather not make a difference. They would rather not make an impact, but everybody think there's something. But that's right. The Bible says they have their reward. Listen, you say, how, do, how would you describe the difference between selfishness and self-centeredness? Self-centeredness is when I think everything is about me. Selfishness is when I think everyone else should think everything is about me. And all God's people said, or oh me. Amen. Sometimes this is what happens in the church. A mother was preparing pancakes for her sons, Kevin and Ryan, and the boys began to argue over who would get the first pancake, and their mother saw an opportunity for a moral lesson. If Jesus were sitting here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. Kevin turned to his younger brother and said, hey, you be Jesus. Amen. <laughs> How often does that take place in the church? Selfishness will destroy a church. Selfishness will destroy a relationship. Listen, it's just, it's just not to be. Uh, let's, look at, let's look at this chapter. Let's look at what Paul is explaining in the first seven verses because it's really, it's really important. If we can get this, if we can get this, this will really, really, it won't just, this is not something that's just going to help our church. And I hope we all get along to Jesus comes. I hope we, you know, I always hate mentioning that we've never really had issues as far as a church split and all that kind of stuff and fighting and fussing and all that we've always just agreed and just done what we needed to do and done it and whatever and and it always makes me nervous because it's so easy for the devil to creep in and try to cause problems because the devil will never stop us from the outside he can blow this building down and we'll just we'll meet out in the yard till we build it back or we'll go meet somewhere else he knows that won't work but the way the devil operates he comes on the inside and he divides to conquer are y'all with me? But, but, with that being said, we have to get along. We have to have the right attitude in the way. Now, in the first part of this verse, he's really, he's really addressing, he's addressing the strong Christian. He's addressing those that are mature. Now, you say, preacher, I, I'm, I, I found out on that red dot where I was, and, and you might not be talking to me tonight, amen? All right, whether you are the strong Christian or the weak Christian at this moment in your life, we should all strive to be the strong Christian, correct? So, with that being said, everybody in this building should want to be and accomplish what he's teaching us here in this verse. Amen? So let's look at this. Several things I want to share with you tonight, as far as time will let us. Uh, number one, number one, I want you to see first, I want you to see there's an obligation that we share. Say it with me. There is a... All right, verse number 1 and 2. Let's read it. 
we then that are strong, let's all say this, let's all say this, I'm strong, I'm mature, I'm a disciple of Christ. Okay, since we're all, the, all three of those things, watch what it says. We then that are strong, say that's me, ought to obey, or excuse me, ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us, how many of us? Every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Now, here's the deal. You remember, we're piggybacking off of chapter 14, right? In chapter 14, he was dealing with the weak and he was dealing with the strong. They were arguing and fussing over what they could eat and, and what day that, that was special and what day was not special and so forth and so on. And, and so he's really focusing on the part and, and the fact that, look, Strong Christians, mature Christians in here, just understand the fact that, that baby Christians are going to have issues. Now, he used the word infirmities, but here's the deal. When, when you have a little baby in diapers, what do they do with them diapers? They use them. Now, we don't, we don't, we don't snatch them up and give them a spanking, do we? say oh that's silly preacher we'd never do that then how come a lot of mature Christians expect immature Christians to act like mature Christians they're going to have problems they're not going to dress right <coughs> excuse me they're not going to dress right sometimes they're not going to respond right sometimes they're going to make mistakes sometimes they may slip with a word Sometimes they may do stuff that's not Christ-like. By the way, sometimes that mature one will too. But what Paul is trying to say here is, guys, hey, just bear with them. Just bear with them. Uh, sometimes in the church, it gets frustrating. It gets frustrating to seasoned saints who were further along to look back at some of the struggles that younger Christians are having, and we think, well, you ought to be doing this, or you should be acting like this, or you should know better by now, you know, and we get frustrated, and that shouldn't be, because if you're a strong Christian, we ought to bear the infirmities, and that means to be patient, it means to suffer through, it means, and, and by the way, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, you'll find out that love, charity, does all those things. It beareth all things, that means to put up with. So basically what he's saying is here, guys, in the church, let's be careful not to look down and not to criticize, not to get so frustrated and impatient with young Christians who are coming along that may not be as far in their maturity level as you are. Are y'all with me? We have a responsibility to do basically three things that we find in chapter 14, and we find also... In chapter 15, three things that we see. First is receive one another. Receive one another. <clears throat> and, and the word means to take to oneself. To take to oneself. We see the same word. Uh, I love this. Uh, For God so loved the world. No, excuse me. Excuse me. John 14. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and receive you unto myself. In other words, 
He's going to associate himself with me. It doesn't just mean to fetch. Because sometimes when we read that chapter, we think, okay, he's going to come from heaven. He's going to come get us. But it's way more than that. It's way more than that. Now, if you really get the truth of the word, you'll have a fit tonight. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of all glory is going to come and say, hey, he's with me. I remember, I remember when I was in Bible college, and, and, and when, you're, when you're a young preacher, you have heroes, you know, and, uh, and, you get to, and sometimes you get to travel with them. And, and Dr. Brown, we, we got to go, we was going to Peachtree Road Baptist Church in Atlanta, big camp meeting, you know, on a Friday night. That's when the, the, the big dogs preach, you know. I mean, it was just, that's the way it goes. And, uh, and this was packed out. I'm talking about it was jammed to the gills. And uh, matter of fact, Brother Travis Sharp was with me uh, when we were with, with him there. And, uh, and we walk in, and there's not a seat in the house. There's not a seat in the house. I'm talking about every seat in the house was full. And we walk in, and, uh, and, and I think I'm carrying his Bible, and Travis is carrying his coat, or I'm carrying his coat, and he's carrying it. Whatever it was, we're kind of like the armor bearer. You know, we're, just, we're there with our preacher, our hero. And, and, uh, and uh, he said, my people need some chairs. My people need some chairs. And, uh, man, they started rustling around, rustling around. Keynote speaker, man, they got people need some chairs. And they brought chairs and put them right up here close to the platform. And he starts down the aisle. And here me and Travis are. You know, we, we thought we was something else. We was with the big preacher. We, was, we felt important because cause this is basically what he said. They're with me. And because we were with him, and I know this is silly, but you'll get the point. Because we were with him, we had special privileges. We had, we had, there was special attention given to us, not because of who we were. They didn't know us from Adam. We was nobodies, but we was with somebody. And one day, I don't know why I'm getting on this, but it's helping me, amen. Jesus is coming back, and he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He's going to step out on that cloud, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of all glory. God in the flesh is going to say, hey, there with me. Amen. He's going to associate himself with us. We, he is going to receive us. And what he's saying to the strong Christian, even though they frustrate you, even though they irritate you sometimes, even though you get impatient with you, you need to receive that baby Christian, that weak Christian. You need to receive that one that don't act right all the time and don't dress right all the time and don't say the right things all the time. You need to associate yourself with them, receive them, bring them into you. Are, are you all with me? As, as a mature Christian, we have that obligation. We have that obligation to receive them. Say, hey, you're one of us. You're one of us. And treat them that way. Amen? Receive. We have an obligation to receive. The word ought means obligation. So, not only should we receive them, we have an obligation to edify. To edify. The word edify means to build up. We should never want to tear anybody down. Sometimes, sometimes the mentality in the world today is you tear others down so you look 
be. And God said, "That's the, the, listen, if you throw dirt, you'll lose ground. The more dirt you throw, the more ground you lose. If you want, if you want to build up you, build up others. There's one thing about Dr. Brown. He made everybody feel like a million dollars. And that's why everybody wanted to be around him because it didn't matter who you were, he made you feel like you were somebody. And that's the deal. Let's build up one another. We shouldn't condemn or criticize. We should encourage. Encourage. Let's build up each other. Let's say, listen, what can I do to help this person? What can I do to lift them up? What can I do to help them become a better person? What can I do to do that? How many of y'all realize if, if you do that for others, God will do it for you? And we have an obligation. We have an obligation to receive. We have an obligation to edify, to build up. And then see, here's a, here's a word. We have an obligation to please. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. See, the disciples, which will lead us into the, into the next verse, the disciples had this issue that if you're important, other people should do stuff for you. And they didn't understand the connection between lordship and servanthood. Jesus was Lord, but he came as a. And you know how the church should operate? We should operate not as a bunch of lords, but as a bunch of. Y'all remember when he washed their feet? He said, I being your Lord and master. Amen. Now, here's the deal. The word please, the word please, the definition. I, I, looked, I looked up the definition on all three of them, but. This specific one means to be agreeable, to be agreeable or seek to. In other words, do everything you can, do everything you can to get along and be agreeable with a person. Look in, look in verse chapter 14. Look in chapter 14, verse 19. Chapter 14, verse 19. Have you found it? Let us, therefore, follow after things which make for... And things wherewith one may, what? In other words, do we look for problems? Do we look for strife? Do we look for difficulty? Or are we constantly looking to be a blessing? Are you a buzzard? Or are you a, a hummingbird? A hummingbird goes out and it looks for the nectar and the sweet flowers. And you know what it finds? The nectar and sweet flowers. A buzzard goes out to find old rotten flesh, old nasty stuff. And you know what he finds? Some of y'all are catching on. The person has always got a problem. Always complaining about something. Always got an issue. Guess what I figured out they're looking for? 
If you look at somebody long enough, you'll find something wrong with them. If you look at me long enough, sooner or later, you're going to find a problem. Tammy's found several, amen. (laughs) But you're going to find, guess what, guys? You're going to find what you're looking for. Kids, kids going to get his, get his mom. You know, his mom said, you can find something good in anybody. I always kept that little Johnny was mischievous and I got her. What good can you find in the devil, mama? She said, hmm, he sure is persistent. <laughs> now, guys, what are we looking for? Are we looking to be agreeable or are we looking to cause problems? Are we looking for issues? I Honestly, I, I am convinced of the fact that there are some people that's not happy unless they're not happy. I'm serious, and I, I'm not making this up or trying to be funny. This is a fact. There are some people that's not happy uh, if, if they're not happy. And, and listen, we, we should be agreeable. We should do everything we can to strive to get along together. Because if, you, if everybody's working toward that, it's going to happen. Amen? Now listen, Paul classified himself with the strong saints as he dealt with a basic problem, selfishness. True Christian love is not selfish. Rather, it seeks to share with others and makes others happy. It is even willing to carry the younger Christians to help them along in their spiritual development. All right, read it with me. We do not, read it with me, we do not endure them. We, read it again. We do not endure them. We, we encourage them. All right, number one, the obligation that we share. Number two, look at verse number four. Excuse me, verse three. He says, we should please our neighbor before we try to please ourselves. You know that, that, that word, that song that we used to sing when we were little kids? You know, joy. What's the secret of joy? Uh, Jesus, others, and put Jesus first, others second, you last. Now, that's easy preaching, but hard living. Amen? It's easy to sing that stuff, but guess what? There's no truer statement. There's no truer statement. When Jesus washed their feet, he even told them this. He even told them this. He said, happy are ye if ye do this. And it wasn't necessarily the act of washing the feet. It was the act of making yourself a servant to somebody else and serving somebody that that didn't do anything for you. Now, the illustration we see. First, he tells them how we should be and how we should act. Then he gives us an illustration, and there's no greater illustration than Jesus. For even Christ pleased not himself. But as is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. Of course, the great example in this is our Lord Jesus Christ. He paid a tremendous price in order to minister to us. When Paul was quoting, he quoted Psalm 69.9 to prove his point. Now, here's the deal. In, in the... In the Chapter before, in chapter 14, he said, look, if eating meat, eating meat is going to cause your brother, your Christian brother to stumble, don't eat the meat. I, I was, when I, in, in college, I, I, I dated a girl, and I didn't know this, or, or, or I really wouldn't have, you know, uh, 
ate what I ate, but they didn't believe in eating, you know, they believed in like a strict Jewish diet and uh, didn't believe in eating pork and didn't believe in eating shrimp and all that kind of stuff. Well, I come from Florida, man. I eat everything. And and I went to an all-you-can-eat shrimp buffet, say man right there. And when we got back to the house, she didn't say nothing. She didn't say a word. If you said something, it would have made it a whole lot easier on me because the dad, he was real serious type, you know, and uh, he was always kind of not, not mean but kind of serious with me. He liked me, but he didn't want me to know he liked me. So he always kept that, you know, and I take after that because that's what I do. But I got there, and, and they said, well, what would y'all eat? I said, man, I ate so many shrimp, I thought I was going to turn into a shrimp. Huh. I thought, what'd I say? Then they begin, you know, story. We don't eat shrimp, and da 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 da. And I, ooh, and 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 I was a little less mature at that time, and uh, so I did not bear the infirmities of nobody. <laughs> Man, I, I, and and here's, if I know this, if I know this, I would be very foolish to take them to a seafood restaurant and order the shrimp buffet. Are y'all with me? Paul is saying, look, you're the strong one, you're the mature one. You're the one that should know better. Hey, if it's going to cause somebody else to stumble in their Christian walk, don't do that. Give it up. Just don't do it in front of them. Don't, don't, don't. Listen, if, if they don't eat, uh, you know, ham or pork, don't, don't serve barbecue at the picnic. Amen? I mean, don't do this. Now, here's the deal. Here's, here's what happens. We think that that's a, some big sacrifice. We think that if we have to give up something for the benefit of somebody else, let's, let's apply it to today. Sometimes we made a lot of adjustments. We made a lot of adjustments when it comes to, to, to uh, church program, you know, the, the style of program, even some of the style of music to, to be able to attract the, the generation 18 to 35. You know, uh, that's the biggest black hole in America. We're losing them by the droves. And so, so we made some adjustments, you know, to the music style, which some people didn't prefer. You know, because they like the more southern gospel style. And, and that's fine. I like it all. I mean, it doesn't matter to me one way or the other. I like it all. But, <coughs> but here's the point. <coughs> are, we really, are we really making a great big sacrifice? When we compare that sacrifice with Jesus' sacrifice. And that's what Paul was trying to say here. And I'm just putting it in terms that would make sense to us today. You may have to give up something as a mature Christian for the benefit of an immature Christian or even a non-Christian. But is that really that big a deal compared to what Jesus did? Amen? It says, he paid a tremendous price. He is making a great sacrifice. Does a strong Christian think he is making a great sacrifice by giving up some food or drink. And let him measure his sacrifice by the sacrifice of Christ. No sacrifice, say it with me, no sacrifice could ever match Calvary. Underline that. I know there's a little misprint there. But no sacrifice we could ever make could match Calvary. Two things I want to give you right here that we see in Jesus, the illustration First, you, you really got to check his attitude. Write that down. <clears throat> the illustration of Jesus shows the illustration of the right attitude. 
everything starts with the attitude. Everything starts with the attitude. Attitude determines altitude. Attitude is everything. I said attitude is everything. It's not what others do to you. It's your attitude with it. It's not the circumstances you face in life. It's the attitude that you face them with. Because some people face the same thing. There are are many kids who face divorce growing up as the kids in that home. And they turn out different because of the attitude in which they face it. There are many people who face uh, physical ailments and physical diseases and physical difficulties. And they respond different because of the attitude in how they respond. Attitude is so important to life. He said, what was Jesus' attitude? It says in Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Are y'all with me? He humbled himself to what? To the death of the cross. In other words, he didn't think it was such a big deal for him to leave his deity, become humanity, and die in agony. He was God who made everything, but the creator became the creature. And he died on the cross. Humbled himself. Now think about this. He had to submit himself to death. Think about that. It just clicked in my head. Why? He was life. In him was life. He had to say, okay, die. They didn't take his life. You see, the sting of death is sin. He knew no sin. He was sinless. He had to submit to death. He had to allow himself to die. He had to submit to the cross, but he was willing. You know why? He had the right. Let this mind, mind means way of thinking. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Man, if there's anything we need to have in the house of God is a right attitude. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. I like being blessed and I like hearing my song. And I've kind of got the privilege of being a preacher so I get to hear it a lot. But it, it you know, if something else is going to bring in a thousand more people to get saved, guess what? I don't care if I like it or not. Strike up the band. Amen? And, and, and see, I tell, I tell churches all the time, they call all the time. When word gets out that you're doing something that works, churches where it ain't working, they call and want to know the secret. Even the ones that criticize you. They come like Nicodemus in the night. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. 
Why? So nobody could see him. He said, we know that thou art a teacher come from God because no man can do these works that thou doest unless. But I didn't want to see him see me here. <laughs> and they will come to you, even the critics. And this is what I tell them. And they're, they're waiting about the music or about church times about all these things that they think you got to do. And the first thing I tell them, because none of that other stuff will work, and they won't even do it unless they do this. I said, guys, the first thing you got to do is you got to change your attitude. I got this phone call. I'm not exaggerating this a bit. My, God is my witness. I'm not exaggerating this a bit. Guy calls me. And he says, man, we need really, really need help. First, he spends 10 minutes telling me how it's not working, how, how everything's wrong and everything's bad and blah, 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 blah. Everything's just going terrible. So I'm listening, listening. And, and then he says, I need you to help me. I said, okay. So I went to talk. I went to say, okay, I think we need. He never let me get it out of my mouth. He said, now, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that and I'm not doing this over here and I'm not. And went down a list of 50 things he's not going to do but didn't tell me what I need to do. Well, first thing is you need to take that list and throw it in the garbage. Because, see, he didn't have a right attitude. Because it was still about him. He liked what he liked. He wanted what he wanted. He liked a certain style of ministry. He liked a certain style of music. He liked a certain, And I'm not changing none of that, but tell me how to make this thing work. With that attitude, it won't work. Does that make sense? So Jesus had the right attitude. It was a submissive attitude. It was a humble attitude. It was a servant attitude. We see the attitude he expressed, then we see the activity he engaged. He didn't just talk it. He walked it. I'm not going, I'm just to save time, I'm not going to go in it. Y'all know the story. He washed their feet. The Lord Jesus Christ, who spoke the world into existence, did the job of a slave. I mean, it was so shocking. It was so shocking that one of the disciples said, uh-uh, you're not going to do that to me. He thought it was demeaning. And then he said, well, if I don't, you have no part with me. Oh, change my mind. Wash everything. <laughs> and it just showed the fact that he didn't really get it. He didn't understand what Jesus was trying to teach him. But here's the point. Those bracelets with the letters on them. What did they say? Say it again. Say it again. I'll tell you what Jesus would do. He would say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get somebody to heaven. You see, I'm, I'm here to serve. He said, I came to be a minister, a servant. And he proved it by getting down and washing their feet. He said, I don't mind being a slave. I, I uh, the other day, the other day, I went and met some of the guys that I coon hunt with and all that bunch of rednecks, and uh, they said, "What you been doing?" I said, "Been cleaning toilets." And uh, you doing what? 
I said several of them. And they know who I am. They know, you know, I said, hey, it, just, it was necessary. It needed to be done. Person sick. And, you know, hey, it is what it is, Jack. That's what I'm excited to say. Amen. <laughs> ain't, no, ain't no big deal. Listen, if anybody in here is above that, you're probably in the wrong place. Because I believe Jesus would clean a toilet. If that's what was necessary, needed to be done, hey, let's make it happen. And the reason his activity was right is because he had a right. Well, I'm just not going to do that, preacher. Well, check your attitude. Because I can't help you with your activity till you deal with your attitude. Amen? Amen. Ain't we having fun? How do we do that, preacher? How do we do that? I, I, I don't know. How, how am I going to put others first in my life? How can, I, how can I learn to live in such a way that I'm trying to please others and not myself, and I don't have to have my way, but I want to be a blessing to others? Well, here's how we do it. Verse 4. Verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, uh, in Alabama we say before we got here, were written for our what? That we through patience and comfort of what? Might have hope. What does that mean? He said, look guys, we got Jesus as our illustration. He's the picture in front of us to teach us how we need to be and how we need to act and how all that needs to go. Now here's the deal. If we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to have to study the scriptures. We're going to have to study the scriptures. The only thing that's going to help us be what we're supposed to be with Christ is knowing that book. Because there's something, there's something very supernatural and something very powerful about the Word of God. It will cut things out of you, and it will glue things into you. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And when the preacher's preaching and the Bible's teaching, it'll go to cutting on you. Amen? It'll go to cutting stuff out that needs to get out. It'll go placing stuff in that needs to be placed in. And so we need to, we need to not neglect the Scriptures. Not only that, not only that, but watch what he says in verse 5. We see the Scripture teaching in verse 4. That's A, by the way. I don't know what they've got up there. Uh, uh, we see the Scripture's teaching in verse number 4. Verse number 5, it says, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. In other words, we have to have the scripture's teaching, study the word of God. But then what else do we have to have? Say this with me. Some of y'all, God's going to have to help me deal with you. And God's going to have to help you deal with me. Amen? I've got things that irritate people. I've got just, you know, issues. And and some of y'all may not like all of those issues, but I know what keeps me sane and keeps me operating to know how I need to do to operate things. And sometimes that frustrates people because they don't understand that there's more to my life than their life. And sometimes that frustrates people because 
I'm supposed to be at the quarter, and, and here we are, and everything, and it, and it just doesn't work that way because it, it just don't. My dad tried to operate that way, and now he's on blood pressure medicine, anxiety medicine, and depression medicine, and he's out the ministry. Now, I prefer to hang around a little while. So sometimes I'm going to have to do things and operate in certain ways that might frustrate you, but here's what you do. If you'll study the Word and ask God to help you, He'll help you deal with me. And I'm, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to study the Word, and I'm going to ask God to help me deal with you. <laughs> and it's that simple, really. And, it, and I'm not trying to be funny or facetious. It's really that sometimes, listen, husband and wife. Wives, you know you need the touch of God sometimes to deal with your husband. And sometimes the other way, amen? <laughs> right? Sometimes it takes the Holy Spirit's touch to be able to forgive when you've been hurt. Sometimes it takes the Holy Spirit's touch to turn the other cheek. Especially when you ain't got but two. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That person that's constantly, constantly. So this is, this is really not trying to be funny. It's the truth. If we pray and spend time with God... We're going to need the help of God. Let God grant us to be like-minded because we're not always going to agree, but we're always going to have to be agreeable. Doesn't that make sense? We're not always going to have to agree. Well, preacher, how, what are we going to do? We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to give us a spirit of unity so we can be agreeable. That's what the word please means, you remember? To be agreeable, to seek to be agreeable. So in order for you to please me and I'm to please you and we work together and be in unity, we're going to have to have the touch of God to do it. Now, quickly, Paul shared the two sources of spiritual power from which we must draw if we are to live to please others, the Word of God and the power of the Spirit. We must confess that we sometimes get impatient with younger Christians just as parents become impatient with their children. For the word of God can give us the patience and encouragement that we need. Paul closed this section praying for his readers that they might experience from God that spiritual unity that he alone can give. Now, now we're going to sum it up on, in number four. This is what it's all about. It all matters because of this right here. All, all of this is for this purpose and this purpose alone. Why do I need to get along with you? Why do you need to get along with me? So we can come to this place and with one mind and one mouth, verse 6, glorify God. It's hard to glorify God when we're cussing each other. It's hard to glorify God when, when, when bitterness is coming out of my mouth toward another believer. Isn't it sad to see all these churches, especially those that have good people but they're too immature and they got attitude problems and all they want to do is spew vile things out at each other and can't get along. And Guess what? The world sees that. One of the greatest ways to understand this. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, no matter what you do, do all to the glory of God. 
Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? And 1 Corinthians 6, 20. For ye are bought with a price. You don't even belong to yourself. You don't even own you. God owns you. Therefore, because of that, do what? Glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are... So no matter what, our responsibility on this planet is to glorify God. Now, do you all remember from last week's study what that means to glorify God? It means to make God... To make God... To make God look good. Is your behavior making God look good? Is your attitude making God look good? Is your treatment of your husband or your treatment of your spouse making God look good? Watch this illustration. Disunity and disagreement do not glorify God. Say that with me. Disunity and disagreement do not glorify God. They rob him of glory. Now watch Abraham's illustration. Abraham's words to Lot. Y'all remember Lot, Abraham and Lot's herds had gotten so big that there started being problems in, in the family. And Abraham said to Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, for we be brethren. Why was that so important to Abraham? The neighbors were... Abraham wanted the lost world who did not know God Abraham wanted them to see that he and Lot were different from them because they worshiped the true God. In his prayer in John 17, Jesus prayed for the unity of the church to the glory of God. Ladies and gentlemen, we have got to get along in the house of God because lost people are... I don't want to use this illustration in a bad way, but you you got to get this. Most of y'all know there was a church that was having issues several years ago, and it was in the courts, it was in the newspaper, and all this stuff, this group against this group, and, and you say, well, so-and-so was right. It don't matter who was right. I know who I thought was right and so forth and all that. The point being is this. I can't tell you how many lost people that I heard out in the lost world talking so negatively about the church and and Jesus in general because a bunch of his kids couldn't get along. The damage was not necessarily done to the congregation as much as it was the cause of Christ. You know why? Because a lot of the strong did not bear the infirmities of the weak. Now, guys, we got to get along. No matter what, we're going to get along. If we kill each other, we're going to get along. Amen? Why? There's a lost world that's watching. And we need them to know, hey, there's harmony and unity in the house of God. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. Everybody stand. We'll dismiss. Brother Buchanan, can you come up here and pray? (coughs) I'm going to make a quick exit because I feel terrible, and I don't want to cough on you and give you the cootie. All right? So nobody think I'm being snobby, and if you need to get a hold of me or talk to me, you can email the church or call or whatever.
And I, I just, I want, does everybody understand that? I'm going out that back exit, and I love all of y'all, and I hope they saw this microphone, all right? So, and I hope you get, you, you stay well. I, I had to take, I had to take Tammy, I better leave it on, right? Amen? I had to take Tammy to the doctor and getting shots, and that place was slammed full of people. So, uh, so, uh, and every time one would cough, I'd, so, be well, get a bunch of vitamin C, and let's pray that everybody gets over this junk. Amen? That's a fact, Jack. Amen. All right. And let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this word. Lord, I pray that this would be an opportunity to see, Lord God, that um, what us being together and, and, and being in one accord, Lord God, is so important, Lord God, not just for ourselves, Lord God, but for your cause. And Lord, I pray that we would not do anything, Lord God, to to hinder anybody from coming to you, especially when it comes to one another, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that this would be a message, Lord God, that we would just hear and go out and say, what a great message, but that we would apply it to our lives, Lord God, and we would get along, Lord God, that we would see an opportunity, Lord God, to help one another and build up one another instead of tear each other down. Lord, we pray all these things in your wonderful name. Amen.